I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Good to see a lot of guys uh, get out there. Good to see some guys tackle that we haven't necessarily seen tackle a whole bunch. We needed to get some um, some more reps, especially with the younger guys, uh, taking people all the way to the ground. I think our running backs are running real hard right now, so it's a it's a really good practice for us. Uh, also got us in some good situations, you know, some red zone work, uh, some stuff down by the goal line, uh, some third down situations, and I think the kids had a better understanding of those situations after scrimmage number one, after reviewing the film, moving on to scrimmage two. I think the one positive about Nebraska is uh, we're running two thuds, we're running two skellies. We have enough players here, we have enough with the walk-ons and those guys that a lot of guys are getting reps, so so they're getting better, and, and that builds your depth. We didn't have that at places I've been, certainly UMass, Pitt, even, you know, that way. We didn't have that at Miami. We didn't have we didn't have enough guys when I was there. So that's really helping. I told those guys, I said, just you're really lucky to be here and with a chance to get on film and get better. So I think our depth has grown, and we know we'll get those guys back come the summer. And welcome here to this Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, both lucky to be here as well. Right, Robin? Absolutely. Well, you heard uh, Eric Chenander and Mark Whipple, the coordinators as Nebraska. Now just one week to go. They'll practice Monday, Wednesday, um, Saturday this weekend. Or, I'm sorry, Friday this week as well. But uh, Monday, Wednesday, then the red-white game. So we are on the home stretch. I mean, we've reached a point where we interviewed backup tight ends here on the fourth <laughs> week of spring ball practice. So The, bar- the barrel's bottom is officially being scratched. I think we'll get a running back day next week is my guess. Because we haven't talked to like Anthony Grant, Trey Palmer. We haven't talked to Trey Palmer, have we? And Ramir talked at the like spring opening press conference, but nothing after that. So it will be interesting to see. But Nebraska held their final scrimmage before the red white game this past Saturday. They went about a hundred plays, full contact to the ground, and you're only allowed a couple of those in the course of the spring. Um, so they're big. Um, the the next one you'll get will be the red white game. They had one right before spring break as well. Um, but I think it's safe to say Casey Thompson did take a step forward in some respects. Um, there were some good moments on both ends of the ball. I, mean, I, I think that's the other thing. When you look at a scrimmage, you don't want one side to dominate. You would like a little bit of back and forth, and I do think um, the scrimmage provided that. I mean, I look at the running backs right now, Robin. Um, I think three guys have emerged from the scrimmage and other things. Uh Jacquez Yant, Anthony Grant, and Ramir Johnson. I know Grant and Johnson both had big runs um, in that scrimmage that got the attention of the coaches. There were obviously some missed tackles, though, that led to those big runs, and Eric Chenander hit on that this week as well. Um, so there was good, there was some bad. I know the defense had a nice goal line stand and, and held up in the, on the scrimmage. So uh, I, I think there's a lot there to chew on. Casey Thompson took a step forward. Um, in that scrimmage compared to where he was at before. Uh, Chema Purdy, though, has not yet practiced um, other than limited work. So um, not much of a story here with the quarterbacks. I mean, it's been basically Casey Thompson. Yeah, and it's pretty clear. Uh, they've made no bones about it from uh, day one uh, when Mark Whipple uh, finally just said, yeah, Casey's our number one guy. Like, what's the secret about it? 
And that's certainly held true. Um, obviously, uh, having Chuba limited uh, has kind of first further cemented that. Uh, Logan's done some good things. Uh, Mark Whipple talked about him on Wednesday and uh, you know, said that he's really kind of developed in the weak points that he had going in, you know, just going um, you know, deep enough in his drops and going through his progressions well enough, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, he's making progress, but there's there's zero question that Casey Thompson is the guy. He is the leader um, of that position group and one of the leaders of the entire offense and, and maybe of the entire team. And I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, Oliver Martin, uh, he was uh, talking on Wednesday and just asked about Casey Thompson. He said, uh, one of the things that stood out about Thompson's leadership style was that it wasn't just he's a big rah-rah guy, is that he's a natural leader. It wasn't forced. And that style was something that players, especially returning veterans, could gravitate towards because it's genuine. It's not some guy that's just trying to impress the coaches with how much he yells at practice, that there was a real leadership that Casey's peers can connect with, and they've done so right away. You're listening here to the Husker online show. I think one of the questions remains on the defense is the defensive line and. Nebraska did get some good news this week on that front. Obviously, uh, they're limited with Casey Rogers out, but Ochon Mathis, Robin, announced he is going to be visiting Nebraska for the spring game weekend. That is going to be an epic weekend of recruiting. A lot of guys in, um, but arguably no bigger than Ochon Mathis in terms of the impact of the 2022 season. If you're not familiar with who he is, he's one of the best pass rushers in the Big 12. He was a second-team All-Big 12 guy in the shortened pandemic season I believe he was first or second in the Big 12 in sacks hmm. guess what Nebraska doesn't have a lot of guys that can do that nope, so they do not um they're bringing him in and he announced that this week on Twitter that he'll be in for his official and I can't think of argue I mean that, that's as big of a target for Nebraska right now as anybody yeah and I guess uh the fact that he's visiting I know you've been kind of following this for a long time and had mentioned that if Nebraska was able to get him on campus, they're going to feel pretty good about their chances. Well, sounds like they've got the first big hurdle out of the way now. And uh, what what do you think happens next now that they finally got him to, to come to Lincoln? Well, it's big because it's he's going to make his decision here soon. And this is your best weekend to bring him in. It's going to be the red-white game, 50,000 or so fans. There'll be a lot of people in great moods. It's Nebraska on Nebraska, so nobody wins or loses this game. Um, so in general, I mean, it's going to be a feel-good day for the program to have him in um, with family members. I, I believe I've been told that you know he could have upwards of 10 people coming with him to Lincoln. So I'm not a rocket scientist, but I've been doing this long enough to know that when you bring a lot of people like that with you, that's an that's a opportunity. I, I don't want to say that's a good sign. It's an opportunity to make things a be a good sign right I mean I just kind of I know in those types of situations usually uh the ball is now in Nebraska's court and as long as they make the visit what it's supposed to be and you know convey the message that they need to convey all signs uh, the dots seem pretty easy to connect that they're going to have a pretty good shot here so that um, obviously is a major need and we talk about the defensive line conversation I know a lot of fans are starting to get nervous just about what that group looks like right now um just in terms of the lack of depth they have. Um, yeah, so I, after math, is, do you think they're done? Or would they would they try to even bolster that further through the transfer portal? I think a lot of it depends on what comes available. Right now, the portal's in somewhat of a holding pattern. Mm -hmm. In the next two weeks, it's just going to blow up. If not, you know, next two weeks to a month. I mean, after April 10th, when spring games start to end, that Monday, it'll be like a black Monday. There's just going to be... <laughs> 
a droppage of portal names. And that's how it's going to be everywhere in the country. Schools will go through spring, have their spring game, and then there'll be a Black Monday that follows with more players leaving your program. Uh, this week we saw Nebraska make a, another portal offer to an LSU player. Now a lot of people have offered Josh White, who's a linebacker, kind of a hybridish type linebacker, 6'1", 200 pounds, former Rivals top 100 guy. Um, but Josh White's been offered. And with Mickey Joseph here, with Trey Palmer here, does Nebraska have a chance to get a guy like Josh White on campus? I mean, I, I think there's some other things to watch in the portal, and, and we're just getting going. Yeah, and I thought it was notable that his uh, tweet that he announced his offer was Mickey Joseph playing. So clearly there's a strong connection there, and um, obviously Mickey Joseph's recruiting presence has uh, still had some carry over there to LSU, and if they're able to get him on campus as well, I mean, who knows what, what maybe potential role he could fill in, but um, with the search to find the next JoJo Doman or fill those shoes, maybe he could potentially be that type of guy that they, they don't have on their roster right now. I'll tell you, Mickey Joseph, you talk about all the guys that came, but he's really raised his stock, I think, as a coach and a recruiter more here than he could have almost anywhere. I mean, I know at LSU he did a lot of great things, but there were a lot of great recruiters, a lot of great players on that staff. He had a recruiting head coach and had Orgeron. Um, you know, you had other guys involved on that really great team um, that they won the national title with. But here, I mean, I, I think his work is being spotlighted at such a high level where it's been, I mean, you talk about home runs. I mean, that, that's about as good of a hire in so many ways that Nebraska could have made for the receiver job. Well, obviously his recruiting is a big part of his his profile, but um, you know, going back to our, our interviews today, um, another thing Oliver Martin talked about was he has never had a college position coach that he's connected with more than Mickey Joseph, and they've been working together for a handful of months now. So uh, I thought that was notable. Um, you know, he said, uh, you know, my previous coaches, I I was never able to have the relationship that I already have with Mickey Joseph. So not only is he a guy that is out there winning living rooms and doing work on the recruiting front. He's having an immediate impact with within his room and the current guys that he inherited that are just now getting to know him. And that impression has taken hold right away. And you've already started to see kind of a, a change in the dynamic of that receiver room, which, you know, to, to be frank, has really underperformed top to bottom over the last few years. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk offensive storylines more, uh, particularly quarterback, running back, other things like that. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, I think it's one thing, but I, the way, yeah, everybody's competing, but I think they're really, they're helping one another out. It's a good room. That's important. They're helping one another out. You miss something talking about it. Those guys are talking a lot in the, in the meetings and on the field. So, you know, there's not anybody else. There's not there's not any animosity in, in the group. So they're all trying to get better at different levels and trying to build a library for each of them so that we come back, I can go over with it, you know, before we get to summer. Watch out for the crane. 
Back here on the Husker Online show, as you can hear, it's a very busy construction site behind Mark Whipple. As a, and it really picked up, like, right when he stepped up to do his interview. It got real. To, it got real on Wednesday. I mean, there was, like, stuff. That one day, though, that literally dudes were, like, hammering nails. <laughs> they up on the scaffolding. Like, but... <laughs> feet away from the coach talking. Like, it was just, like, like, the whole time. Sorry about that. People down the hall are going to think I'm crazy. Um Anyway, back here on the Husker Online Show, this segment of the show is brought to you by the 2022 Erlingus College Football Classic. As Robin and I are getting geared up, we're heading out to Ireland. Still time to get your trip planned. In fact, Robin, I was online looking on Erlingus, and if you wanted to fly round trip right now for a week trip, leaving on Monday and come home Sunday, if you got to, if you just were in Chicago on Aer Lingus flight, it'd be about eleven hundred bucks. So pretty flights are still very doable. If you want to get on and get tickets out to the Aer Lingus Classic, you can buy your tickets separately now through Nebraska on Huskers.com. Um, or you can buy one of the packages on Huskers to Ireland.com. So lots of time. This is gonna be a trip of a lifetime for Nebraska fans. Uh, heading out to Dublin, Ireland. We'll be out there. Uh, we're staying at the Samuel, I'm told, Robin. So I'm looking forward to that. I already scoped it out. It's on a river yeah. right in Dublin. Yeah, lot, lots of uh, destinations within walking distance. And the Temple Bar District. We're about a 20-minute walk from the Temple Bar District. So oh, that's doable. Just saying. Just saying. But <laughs> All right, let's talk offensive storylines. You heard uh, the quarterback's situation there. And this is kind of one of my concerns right now, Robin. It's almost been too easy for Casey Thompson. I think when they mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. concocted this plan of Chubba Purdy, Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers, I don't even going to say um, uh, Richard Harburg. Torres, but Har- Harburg, that, you know what, there's going to be a little bit of competition. It's not, it's not going to just be, here's the job. Well, guess what? It's been, here's the job. Pretty much. And yeah. I, I'm not surprised they're saying Casey Thompson shouldn't be the guy, but I, I think if you were like being – critical about it you'd like you know what let's at least push him a little bit and I don't think there's been a big push because Chubba Purdy has been out for most of the spring with a foot injury and that has really limited what he's been able to do he's come back this week limited Harburg didn't scrimmage so it's really just been Thompson and Smothers and Smothers to me doesn't have necessarily the arm talent to make those pro throws from the pocket and that's where Casey has a little bit of an edge I'm not saying Smothers is not a talented quarterback because he's got a lot of ability, um, but I just don't think it's really a close race right now. Well, and just considering probably the the gap between what Casey Thompson needed to do to acclimate to Mark Whipple and and Frost's offense compared to what you know Logan had to do, where you know this is a completely different uh, list of things that they were asking of him to where he did have to be more of a pocket guy and. Um, you know, have more discipline in his drops and go through his reads better and not rely on his legs maybe as much as he did in the previous system. So, um, you know, again, you know, Smothers has, has given it his all and has gotten some good praise uh, from the staff just with the development he's made thus far, but that still leaves a pretty good separation between where Casey Thompson is right now and where Logan is. And the fact is, you know, with Purdy being limited, they don't have anybody else that's even remotely close to where Casey Thompson is. So, 
and it's unfortunate because competition, you, you want as much of that as you can get, especially in the spring. Um, but, you know, I guess uh, if nothing else, there there's no controversy whatsoever as far as who the top dog is in the quarterback room. Right, and, and we'll get I, – I hope Chubba can play in the spring game just because I, I think that's what's hurt this guy his whole career. You know, he was hurt his first year at Florida State, and then last year at Florida State, he really only played one game before he left. Um, so I just feel like he is such an unknown commodity mm-hmm. um, with the injuries with the collarbone and now this foot deal that he's been bothered by. So let's see if Chubba can get out there and in Harburg. He had a finger injury, I guess, that kept him out of the scrimmage um, Saturday. Now we did get to see, I think, these running backs, and you know, I, I believe that's a three-horse race right now in the spring. Um, I hit on that in the last segment with Jacquez Yant, Anthony Grant, and Ramir Johnson. I think wide receiver right now, Robin, when you look at that group, the three starters, at least the first group, um, Oliver Martin at the X, Alante Brown at the Z, and Trey Palmer at the slot, but Omar Manning, you know, is in that in that conversation. I think Brody Belt's in that conversation. About I think, Wyatt Lever. Um, yeah, Wyatt Lever, but Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, he will be in that conversation. He's not practicing right now. So mm-hmm. even without Xavier Betts, and we haven't even talked really about the Xavier Betts situation, yeah. um, without Xavier Betts, they still have seven, and you know I I think Xavier Betts would have probably been in that second group right now. He would not have been a starter at this point, um, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, there was supposed to be a meeting Friday with Betts, it didn't happen. Um, I think I don't want to say the door is completely closed, so we'll we'll see. You know, if cooler heads prevail, because you know I don't think Betts can even go on the portal right now because academically you got to be in line to transfer somewhere and mm-hmm. so there's a lot there for this young man and nobody wants to see him throw it all away absolutely not I mean we you just look at the flashes that he's shown um you know in the opportunities that he's gotten uh, there's no question that he is more than talented enough to be a dynamic asset to this offense but um inconsistency has plagued him since he got to Lincoln um his um the lack of availability, not even from game to game, but from practice to practice, really made it hard for this staff to trust him to put him on the field, especially in uh, you know cl- critical situations in games. And so that um, you know really kind of stunted his development. The fact that he just couldn't be on the field enough, and you know now it kind of sounds like there's there's some questions just about what his not just future at Nebraska, but his future in football holds. Um, you know, because if if you're at this level you better love the game. And if you don't love the game, it's going to be really hard for you in everything you do. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we uh, talk offensive storylines. Moving forward, tight end, too, is another grab bag without Thomas Fedoni. Um, Vokalek is doing limited skeleton in seven-on-sevens now, just no live teamwork. So it's good that Vokalek's out there, but Chris Hickman is out with shoulder surgery. It's opened the door for Nate Bowricker, uh, or Borchiker, I'm sorry, did I, did I do that again? Borkature. Borkature. God, I'm sorry, Mr. Borkature. I even like... The Chiefs de- fan can't get over Mark Bo Richter. I even DM'd with <laughs> Nate's father about me butchering this name, and, and I said I would never do it again. Borkature. Borkature. And I, I just... I'm a Chiefs guy, and Mark Bo Richter. The, mm-hmm. I just can't... And he's from Hastings, Nebraska. I know. Pretty damn close to Aurora. Yep, yep. So, Borkature. Borkature. Is having a great spring. Um, in the meantime, and A.J. Rollins, I think, is taking a step forward. Yeah, and, I mean, 
there's not a bigger window of opportunity for the back end of a position group than there is a tight end right now, just given um, the amount of uh, you know casualties they've had due to injuries. Uh, I mean, those guys that probably would just be getting spot reps are getting thrust right into the mix with the first team offense. And so, um, you know, that's you know, Mark Whipple kind of touched on that on Wednesday to where, you know, obviously you don't never want to see anybody get hurt, but the fact that it is, you know, Travis Volkel, like, like you know, he doesn't need to practice right now. I mean, he, he's a known commodity. You know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, you, and uh, for the most part, the majority of guys that are hurt are going to be back at some point. So it's not like there's um, a lot of long-term concern here. And so what better time to give younger guys this volume of opportunity than, than during the spring. And sounds like the guys that are getting those chances are taking full advantage. And if nothing else, Nebraska's tight end depth is going to be a lot more prepared going into fall camp than maybe it otherwise would. All right. When we come back on the show, we're going to talk defensive storylines next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The best thing I've seen is the physicality on both sides. It's been a really, really chippy uh, train, uh, spring ball. Um, that's what you need for being able to prepare yourself for the Big Ten. Uh, guys are physical, fighting, and finishing on both sides of the ball up front. Uh, even the receivers or DBs are doing a better job of finishing to the ball. Um, so that's one of the things that's glaring for me. These guys come out every single day. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa. That was Sean Becton, uh, Nebraska's tight end coach, talking um, just about the physicality of the spring. And Saturday was one of those physical days where they could go live to the ground tackling. And it's not because Nebraska doesn't want to do that. You're only allowed three of those days in the course of the spring per the NCAA spring practice rules. Um, so that was one of them where they could get after it a little bit and there were no injuries, thankfully, in that scrimmage on Saturday. Um, but you look, Robin, now at the defense kind of going in this final week. Um, we hit on the open about Ochon Mathis coming in from TCU for a visitor. I think everybody's really worried about the defensive line, and rightfully so, because if they were playing a game tomorrow without Casey Rogers available, you know, they're they're just they don't have much there. And Garrett Nelson has almost kind of converted himself into a DN body. Um, I mean, he's pushing 250, 260. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Tanner is obviously going to be out there together. I, I think when I look at the scheme today, having Nelson and Tanner on the field together is where they're heading because that gets two of your best 11 guys out there. And so Robinson and what, uh, eventually Col- Rogers? Yeah, it was Colton Feast, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the inside, Robinson can play the nose. You know, and I think Nash Hutmacher is going to play too. Um, but I don't see him as a starter right now. I think he's going to be take reps guy. Um, but when you, if you're just being honest, that starting group is probably going to have to play a lot of reps. Yeah, year. I was going to say, like, that's kind of, I don't know how good people feel about just 50, 60 that in itself, but then after that. I mean, what 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 does the depth look like beyond that where you have 
you know, converted linebackers and DNs. You got, you know, kind of a makeshift uh, interior. Like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that group. So getting Mathis on campus is obviously a huge development. But, you know, we talked about earlier, it, I think it would behoove Nebraska to continue to attack the transfer portal and try to find just a few more experienced big bodies that they can just provide some some more depth to where you're not putting so much stock on such a small group up front. And they've got Mosai Newsom. I mentioned Nash Hutmacher. Um, he'll factor in. But Mosai Newsom, Marquise Black, Rukon Buckley, and Jalen Weaver. And they need somebody in that group to come up. Yeah, and Mosai Newsom talked earlier this spring. And you know those guys know what this spring is for them, what this offseason is is for them uh, and the opportunity that they have. And um, I think that they kind of are taking a uh, it's our turn approach. And so who knows, maybe those guys develop um, the way everyone hopes and, you know, kind of answer all these questions about depth and, and who the next next guys are up front. But right now, until we actually get a chance to see them, they're unknown commodities and we just don't know where they stack up, not only, um, you know, compared to their their predecessors, but against uh, the Big Ten competition offensive lines they're going to see this season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk um, defensive storylines here for Nebraska. And, you know, linebacker, um, you know, another one of those groups where the inside position particularly, very hard to read right now where they're at uh, just because of the injury situation. You've got Nick Henrich going, but no Luke Reimer. No, Garrett Snodgrass. Well, Honus left in the in the in the winter here, um, so they're you know they're down. I do think Ernest Hausman though has really gotten a great opportunity and played well. Um, I think Randolph Kapai is another guy that has flashed a little bit here at times this spring. Uh, then Taggy, Taggy, Taggy's great another Taggy. name that's been able to get a lot of reps, and then uh, Clements, Magua Clements, mm-hmm. um, Etava Magua Clements, right, mm-hmm. um, is another guy. So. They've got other players that have gotten reps, and that's good. Um, you know, get these guys opportunities and see if somebody can emerge. Then once you get Luke Reimer back and Garrett Snodgrass back, hopefully you're back where you want to be, and then you have some new players that can maybe help you out too. Yeah, I'm not as worried about that group. Uh, for one, <laughs> they've kind of shown that they don't really rotate that much when it comes down to it. I think they like to have four guys, but uh, as we've seen, um, in, unless injury occurs, they usually have their top – three and that's that's the the group that they roll with uh with those two inside spots so uh, i think they'll be fine there i think they got plenty to work with uh, especially with the the caliber of top end talent that they have um you know hopefully none of those guys have to miss time but if they do i think that next group is going to be good enough to where there's not such a significant drop off so i think they're okay in that second level and then the secondary right now we got this question um, in in the chat this week, and we'll we'll address it here in the mailbag as well. But are they going to be better in the secondary? And I think that's really hard to say because you're talking about guys like Cam Taylor Britt, Kyron or uh, Deontay Williams, and Markel Smuke that have been here for a long time. Now Quentin Newsom, Miles Farmer, Braxton Clark, three guys that have been here a long time as well. Uh, but I think the really wild card remains like Marquise Buford, Tommy Hill, mm-hmm. Deshaun Singleton. Isaac Gifford, Noah Pole Gates. What can that group give to Nebraska on the back end? Because I do think they're more athletic than they have been the last couple of years. But are those guys going to be able to grasp the system and play at a high level? I mean, we've heard a lot of good things about a number of the players you just listed. You know, Tommy Hill in particular, Buford in particular, Sean Singleton, Gifford, you know, all these guys that, um, you know, 
appear to be on their way to stepping up uh, to the plate here. But again, it's just one of those deals where we just don't know. I mean, we haven't seen him. Uh, we haven't. I've never seen Tommy Hill play. Never seen Deshaun Singleton play. And so, um, you know, until we actually get to see them play a live, meaningful snap, that's going to be a question mark uh, that, you know, unfortunately we won't get many clear-cut answers to until that point. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk uh, defensive storylines and you know the spring game itself I, I think it's gonna be very vanilla and we'll talk more about that next week so it I think it's gonna be hard to walk away from that game yeah knowing much about this team at least other than just a feel if anything else it all these young guys that we're talking about getting these opportunities at least they'll get a, a chance to showcase uh, you can just see them play football in, in a real live game or, or simulated game snap uh, that, you know, c- can at least maybe give you a better indication of what they are and where they might stack up compared to other players. But just listening to, you know, Mark Whipple on, on Wednesday, he said the staff hasn't even talked about the format of the spring game. He kind of put a big bucket of cold water. Wasn't on, it, just, <laughs> was it a couple years ago where they didn't tackle in the spring game? Yes, it was terrible. Oh my God. It was like God. the Pro Bowl. Was it last year? I can't remember, but it was, it was definitely within the last couple of years. It, well, they didn't play in twenty, so, okay, it, was either so ni- yes. it was either nineteen or twenty-one, where it was literally like two-hand touch. Yes, I think it was last year. And I I'm, remember, right? It was just kind of like the oh, it was terrible. I mean, it, you know, especially if you're charging tickets, you know, I mean, like, come on, at least play at least a, a, a half of some real football, and then maybe go to a running clock or whatever you need to do for the second half. But it sounds like. You know, as far as Mark Whipple is concerned, there's not much that he wants to see in the spring game outside of how some young guys respond to, to playing on that stage. And most importantly of all, they just want to get through it without injuries. So I would imagine there's not going to be a whole lot of physicality in, in however they format that spring game. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Oh, dude, it was like the hardest thing to deal with mentally because just put in so much work felt like it was finally my time you know it just kind of got stripped away from me like right after the first game so I think the toughest part was just mentally dealing with that but um you know I'm back now I feel good so it's a relief and you know I'm ready to ready to have a big year and we're back here on the Husker Online show that was wide receiver Oliver Martin the former Iowa Hawkeye and Michigan Wolverine um, who led Nebraska in their first game against Illinois with 100 yards receiving, then really was a non-factor the rest of the year because of a knee injury, and he's hoping to bounce back working currently as a number one X um, this spring. Um, so we'll see where it goes, Oliver Martin. But now it's time for the mailbag as Abby Barmore joins us. What is the first question to lead things off, Abby? Based on what you know today, do you expect improved play or step back for the offensive line and for the quarterback position? It can only get better on the offensive line. I mean, it was historically bad, so it has to be improved. If it's not improved, everyone's going to get fired. I mean, mm-hmm. that, this is the reality of where it was at a year ago. If they have a year like last year, the quarterback's going to get hurt again, and you know they've got to protect. they got to run the ball. And I, 
I think Raiola is really motivated to get this right, and we're not even really seeing this line yet without Teddy and without Turner. And quarterback, you know, can I think the difference, Rob, and I would say with these two quarterbacks is I think Casey Thompson sits in the pocket and reads progressions, where Adrian Martinez, whether it was protection, you can say or not, I don't know how well he saw the field. I, I think Casey Thompson has a better read on seeing the field and progressions that Nebraska didn't have a year ago. Yeah, I agree with the O-line. Uh, it's still fairly incomplete just because of how many pieces we just don't know about right now that aren't practicing this spring and um, the fact that they're still searching for even their starting lineup. So uh, the good news is the bar is very low for them right now, so I'll just guess that they're going to be better. Uh, with quarterback play, I'll say that they're going to be better just in terms of overall efficiency. Uh, I think that you're not going to have – the you know the the number of broken plays which Adrian to his credit was you know sometimes when he was at his best when he was running around just in scramble mode uh, but in terms of just facilitating the offense the way that it's intended and going through progressions finding you know the open receivers all that sort of uh, basic fundamental stuff of a passing game I think that's going to be improved of all the offensive hires who is your current favorite you know there's a lot of ways you can go with this one but I, I just think Mickey Joseph, and I, I hit out this earlier in the show, has been a home run in every which way from a recruiting, from a presence, from the way he's related and uh, built relationships with his room. I just think when you compare where they're at to now with him as the position coach, um, it's it's a really good fit. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say anybody but him just because of the resounding praise he's gotten, but just from a personality standpoint, I really like listening to Brian Applewhite. Uh, he, he's a guy that can get you to run through a wall when you just listen to him talk. He's got so much passion behind what he's doing uh, and clearly loves every aspect of, of this job. So um, I'm really interested to see what he does with that group because that's another position that has really underwhelmed over the years. And I think he's got the right attack and ability to convey the message that, that would hopefully take it to the next level. Will the secondary be better or worse next season? I think they're deeper. Are they better? That's the question. And I, I think Markel Smuke is very much replaceable. I mean, he's a four-seven-five guy that had a 29-and-a-half-inch vertical but knew the defense well. He made up for his lack of speed and explosion with knowledge of the system. They have better than four-seven-five and 29-and-a-half mm-hmm. of their guys they have back there now. But can they get the same feel for the game? Um, and then really it comes down to can Tommy Hill – or even Braxton Clark, give them what Cam Taylor-Britt did a year ago. And Cam Taylor-Britt had about a four- or five-game stretch where he played as well as any corner in a league. Yeah, he was fantastic at the end of the year. But I think they're deeper, and that's the difference. I, I, to say they're better, it's it's too early. Right, especially when, you know, I personally have never seen Tommy Hill play a snap or Deshaun Singleton or guys that, um, you know, you expect to challenge for starting roles – just don't know enough about him right now outside of, you know, secondhand reports from, from practices. So uh, it is still too early to tell, but I will say they are losing about as much experience in one position group as you possibly could. You got guys that have started for three straight years that are now gone. I mean, four. Well, under this under this defense. Yeah, I guess four going back to I mean, a few of those guys. Kyron Williams. I mean, Deontay didn't Deontay play Williams, a whole lot. Deontay Williams played as a first-year guy, then he got he hurt. hurt. Right. But, you know, they, guys that go all the way back to 2018. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's going to be very difficult to replace. And so I think just right now, uh, I will say there will be a step back just because you cannot replicate experience. All right. What do you have next, Abby? 
Robin, who are some incoming freshmen that could have an immediate impact on the basketball court? Well, I think all of them are going to have a role. Um, obviously, Denim Dawson has been here since December as a mid-year enrollee. Uh, and so they really like just what he brings to the table with his uh, energy and uh, aggressiveness. So I think he'll play. Jamarcus Lawrence has had a fantastic senior season at Roselle Catholic. Uh, they just won the New Jersey private school uh, championship, and he was one of the best players on that team. So um, they really like what he can bring. Um, he'll provide immediate role with his three-point shooting. Um, and then Ramel Lloyd, uh, retaining him was a big deal just because he's a versatile, big-bodied, strong guard that can play the one or the two that will give them more depth and you know Big Ten level physicality. Um, and then I play, he's not a freshman, but Blaze Kate is the other uh, newcomer in that 22 group. I mean, he's going to immediately contend for minutes. Um, he may not start right away with Derek Walker coming back, but um, he is no doubt going to be a factor. So every one of that 22 group I expect to have an immediate role next year. Why do you think Frost uses a running back committee instead of a workhorse? I I just think they've tried the workhorse. <laughs> Nobody can stay I healthy. Mean, okay, go go back to the last three years. Well, first of all, Ozigbo became the workhorse by default. They didn't even know he was going to be the workhorse. <laughs> they wanted like two other guys to be ahead of him, and that didn't work out. And then Dedrick Mills was supposed to be the workhorse with Maurice Washington in 19. We know how that went. And then in 20, Mills got hurt again and could have come back for another year and chose not to um, and just didn't work out. So then last year in 2021, just when it felt like Ramir Johnson was going to become maybe that workhorse after the Oklahoma game, he, gets hurt. he got hurt. So I think some of it is just somebody not – the guys aren't staying healthy. And I think they can get it. I just – whether it's Ramir, but, God, Anthony Grant intrigues me just from what I hear. Can he get himself to be that type of guy? He did it at New Mexico Military. And – He's a fourth-year guy. I mean, he's not some young kid. He seems to be the type of guy that they wanted Diedrich Mills to be. And you know, Diedrich showed flashes of that, had a couple of really big games. But, he, I mean, that combination of speed and power and the, the physicality that he runs the ball with, I think that just from the reports, sounds like Anthony Grant has all of that. So if there's a guy in that room that, you know, at least on the surface, could potentially be that type of player – it might be him. One in high school, Grant was a class of 2018 guy. So that just tells you how old he mm -hmm. is. Not your typical Juco. He's a man. Because actually this is his fifth year of college football mm -hmm. uh, because he got the freebie COVID year in there. So he's going to be a guy that plays college football for six years unless he obviously had a really good year this year. All right, Abby, uh, looks like we have time for one more. If you could attend any sporting event, what would it be? Whew. I've been to a lot. Um I know my favorite thing I've been – one of my favorite things I've been to, a couple of things I've been to that I've been lucky to attend, I've been to an NFC Championship game in San Fran to see the Packers play the Niners, and that was an amazing experience. I got to go see the Belmont Stakes, and it was like two bucks to get in. And it was like – I took the train from Connecticut to the Grand Central Station, the Long Island Rail, right into – New York is when I was 22 years old. Didn't even have probably 20 bucks in my pocket. And I was able to go watch the Belmont Stakes. That was a great experience. But things I would like to go to, um, I'd like to go if the Dodgers were in the World Series. I just don't know if it's possible with our jobs um, yeah. and <laughs> raising families. And, and Don't think about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Exclude all the outside world. <laughs> my dream would be like a bye week to fall on the World Series week and then like be able to slip out to one – Dodgers World Series game yeah I mean there's a lot of events that I think would be super cool like 
you know, go to a horse race, like the Kentucky Derby, sitting at the infield of the Derby, like, you know, that's just one of those just all-time sports events. Um, and then obviously big, you know, Final Four would be awesome. Um, you know, a Game 7 in the NBA Finals. Like, you know, those types of, like, marquee events. But for me, you know, it, it has to be Super Bowl. I mean, just going to a Super Bowl. Obviously, if the Giants were in it, that'd be extremely more stressful. But I think just in general, going to the biggest football game of the year uh, is one of those things that just just is right at the top of the bucket list i'd like to i'd like to be a part of like an orange bowl robin mm-hmm. oh yeah to cover an orange bowl and go in, there for the whole week it's like i was talking to mike babcock um <sighs> longtime friend colleague of ours and he's like it got to the point where they'd go to the orange bowl so many times that like people knew them when they'd come back every year and they'd stay at the same place and know where to go and it's like god it was like us with the gator bowl the gator in the, the holiday, holiday bowl, bowl. <laughs> Don't same, ask, same thing, right? Don't ask about the uh, media <laughs> shuttle at the Holiday Bowl because we, we ended that thing. Yeah, well, they uh, they definitely took care of us in the end. Abby, what is the best sporting event you've attended in person? Well, I have not been to a lot, mostly, you know, Nebraska football games. A Lincoln Southeast but, football game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, East actually beat Southeast, like, my senior year. It was super exciting. But I would say probably Nebraska-Texas volleyball. Elite Eight yeah. this last yeah, year. That was pretty That good. was insane. Pretty it raucous. Was very loud in there. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to close the show. A lot of headlines with Nebraska basketball. Players coming back. Coaches maybe staying. Robin's going to get us up to date on that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. Robin watched it as we're talking now Nebraska basketball Robin and a lot of things have happened here in the last few days let's first start with the biggest piece of news Derek Walker will be coming back to Nebraska um, and you could argue of all the guys that were kind of on the fence to come back this was maybe the biggest piece yeah probably the least surprising um, for a while now kind of signs had hinted towards Derek uh, you know, maybe contemplated coming back. And uh, there was a lot of reasons for that. Uh, he's one of those guys I don't think has very serious professional basketball aspirations. Like he's not a guy that is going to uproot his life and go play in Lithuania for a few years just, just to keep playing mm-hmm. basketball. Um, you know, I've reported that several times he's, he's kind of got a trucking company in the works that uh, he's got for his life after basketball. So, um, you know, I think for him, the ability to come back, especially coming off his best season, as a college player, um, where he led the team in rebounding, shot like 68% from the field, uh, and set the this, this single-season school record for field goal percentage. Uh, I mean, he has, there's a lot of momentum behind him right now and, and where he fits into Fred's system. And so, um, you know, there's the NIL stuff to that he can further put money towards his uh, uh, you know, eventual trucking company. So there's a lot of reasons for him to do that. But for Nebraska's sake, obviously you get an established two-year starter coming back at center, you get a guy that um, has been through um, the grind of Big Ten front courts as many as much as anybody. Um, 
any Husker has in a long time. And he's one of your best leaders. So there's extreme value on and off the floor with getting Derek back and um, was a really foundational piece for next season's roster. So now that leaves Trey McGowan's and Lat Mayen as the fellow quote unquote super seniors that have to make decisions um, with Trey. Uh, it seems like he's kind of flipping his his opinion on that back and forth uh, every time you talk to him, just because you know he's he's going through the pre-draft process, and I think he's still in the in the mode of trying to figure out what all of his options are going to be. I don't think he's you know I think the NBA is a realistic uh, situation for him, but there are professional opportunities elsewhere that. And he's going to take a look at, but if the opportunity at Nebraska, you know, he feels is better than any of those pro pro jobs, then, you know, I think he would strongly consider coming back. In fact, he told me last week that um, it's definitely a possibility that, that he would return for another season as well with Lat Mayen, He's probably the least likely. Um, I know that he met with Fred Hoiberg, uh, I think on Monday, I believe, uh, to just kind of discuss his situation. And really what it comes down to is Lat going to be willing to take a significantly reduced role compared to being a two-year starter. Uh, and not only just not being in the starting lineup, uh, but probably playing you know 10 to 15 minutes off the bench uh, at most, just considering what they're adding in the front court. So uh, not holding my breath on that one, but Trey's still one to keep an eye on. Um, but when you pair that with the addition of Sam Greasel, suddenly Nebraska's got a pretty veteran lineup where uh, you were, there were some questions about just you know the, the experience that they lost from last season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and Robin, the other really uh, big piece was um, it's been confirmed. Um, now, did Fred Hoiberg confirm this, or you just confirmed with the source that Armand uh, Gates will be back? Yeah, I, I, Fred confirmed to me that he's he's back. So, I mean, that's... But that can always change. Yeah, I mean, I mean who know, who's to say he's not going to get offered a job between now and next season? Uh, but they've been. A, I mean, he's been in Lincoln now since Tim Miles. Was he with Miles for one or two? seasons? One year. He replaced Kenya Hunter. Uh, so after he's lived years. here four years. Yeah. So I mean, he's as established of a coach as there is uh, on the staff, and so there there's a lot of reasons why. Obviously, Nebraska would want to keep him um, just for that that stability and cohesiveness, and uh, the fact that. You know, before he came to Nebraska, recruiting was one of his uh, biggest selling points. Uh, he was a Chicago area guy, uh, had connections to the uh, the prep school areas out in like with Brewster Academy where he played. Um, you know, as as a high schooler, so um, he's got a lot of recruiting ties that you know just because of the dynamics of Nebraska's staff uh, for the previous three years. Uh, he didn't really get to use them all that much. So um, you know, again, and and he's a, a very involved in the on-court instruction with the backcourt, working with the guards. So, you know, he, he brings a lot to Nebraska staff. So, you know, I think that it worked out for both sides for now to stay. Uh, we'll see if that changes. But as of now, um, the plan is for him to remain on on staff. So that leaves Nebraska with one position to fill um, that was left by the departure of Matt Abdelmasi. Uh, and it's crazy. Really not a lot of rumors or speculation going one way or the other um i know that there's was some talk earlier this week that uh, we might hear some news on that um maybe as as early as by the end of the week uh, we'll see on that but usually the final four is kind of that that job point, interview that point where it's the biggest college basketball coaching job well that's how like of jim molinari when he quit his head coach job at western illinois yeah. that's how you broke that news go back go back to that yeah exactly because rumors were spreading around the the coaching circles and Nate Lenzer was uh, hired on April 6th, right after the Final Four, so uh, just just a year ago. So that's usually kind of the mark where 
movement on that on staffing really starts to go down. So I would anticipate if it's not as early as the end of this week, then certainly by next week, uh, Nebraska will have its full staff in place because looking ahead, the spring signing period starts uh, mid-April. So whatever open scholarships they have to fill, if there are any, currently they're full. So we'll see how many they, spots they end up with. You got to start capitalizing on relationships that your coaching staff has and to have a full staff to maximize the reach on those relationships is really important. You're listening here to the Husker online show. Now spring recruiting for basketball, that really doesn't go until more April, right? Like the, are there, are yeah, there, like looking ahead, like the, the 23, 24, 25 classes, though, those, the first live period is, um, I think like the third week, weekend of April or the, the last week in April, somewhere late April. Uh, so that's when coaches will go on the road. And it's going to be interesting now um, because before Nebraska didn't do a whole lot of that because the majority of the recruiting was done through phone calls and connections and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I mean, they, they did go to tournaments, but that really wasn't, you know, the the main part of their recruiting plan uh, with this, the way Matt Abdelmasi operated. So now uh, with a more traditional full staff approach that I anticipate them going forward with, they're going to probably be a lot more active than ever under Fred Hoiberg on the uh, AAU recruiting circuit and hitting up all the live periods. So that'll start to kick up here. Like I said, um, in about a month at the end of April. Uh, and uh, like I said, we should get a pretty good idea of with this new staff and this new plan, who the top 23 targets are, because the first vis- games that you go to see are generally the guys that are at the top of your board. All right. Lots to keep up with, with Husker basketball. Robin Washett will keep you up with the latest. Also Nebraska baseball, hoping to bounce back this weekend after a disappointing series loss to Michigan, um, Abby and Blake and Grant Hansen uh, and the crew will keep you up to date on that as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.